Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Bye. So, Royfield, that was Jelly Pea again? Allie's son? How old are you? Six. Um, have you been? How's your week been? It's been, yeah. Yeah, it's been okay. It's nice to know, isn't it, that the weather's picking up again? Well, it's always nice in California, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Is that where you are now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I spend half of my year here, so... I didn't uh, realise you were out there now. Yeah, you thought I was in Ambridge, but, but what's behind me? I'm sickeningly jealous. Well, you know, I, I adore the place, and the older I've got... I realise I don't like the cold. I've always hated snow from when I was a kid. So what I've started doing is I spend my summers in England between Brum and London, see my my folks, see my friends. Winters, the other nine months of the year, I'm gone. I'm in in California. You're just out there. Where in California are you? So San Francisco, basically. So, I'm in the city just opposite it in the Bay, Oakland. Mate, I had no idea that that's where you were. Wow. That's fantastic. Good on you. Well, you know, it's... uh, I can do my work from anywhere. Yeah. So What is it exactly you do? I I create podcasts. That's what I do. Right. I'm I'm, I'm a podcaster, so you don't need to be... I don't need to be shackled anywhere. No. Yeah. No, not at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, and my, but my brother's smarter than me. He he now lives in Bali. You know, so I know that's that's taking it to another level, isn't it? Beca- exactly, because what he does, Royfield, 
I did what you asked. I rebooted everything, but I'm still looking a bit. But I think but, we'll, we'll but, get away with it, won't yeah. we? Yeah, the audio is the they'll main be, thing. So. They'll be too distracted by the background to worry about what I'm doing. <laughs> they'll, be, yeah. they'll be waiting to see the screws walking behind you. Moss, lights out. Like that. <laughs> It would it have been like funny the- if you you could because you could have done that, and if I could have got to my little bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've got a decent crowd here waiting. We're up to forty three waiting. So oh well, okay. Yeah. You said there'd be about fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a few late stragglers, and we're not quite at the hour yet as well. So so yeah. I hope they're the sort of people that can readily um, divide reality from fiction and not give me a bad time. No, 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 and 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 even if they're not, we're, we're going to uh, dispel the notion that you actually do uh, coerce people economically. You, you don't, do you? I've not helped by the fact that I've put a prison background bit. There you go. <laughs> I'm being hoist by I'm being hoist by my own petard, really. <laughs> so, um, tell me about what you were doing beforehand. Were you just in Wicked? Were you? Was that was he? Uh, Wicked yeah, I'd been in Wicked. I'd done. I was halfway through my third contract, so halfway mm. through my third year okay. when it all went pear Keep shaped. talking. I'm not looking at you, but I am listening. I need to give yeah, somebody the... So, uh, mm-hmm. so the plan is that when Wicked eventually goes back, because I was due to leave, my contract was going to end last July. Mm-hmm. That would have been me done. I'd have done three years. But um, obviously it's easier for them to have the company go back in and reopen the show that that were in it when it shut. So I've got a bit of a reprieve. So I'll probably go in, finish the three months of my contract and then leave. Uh And so that'll be nice. It'd be a bit weird going back into the theater, but. Are you one of these thesps who prefers the theater to uh, radio and TV? Right. To be honest, I feel it's all I've ever done. I've for like 36 years, I've been a professional actor and it's, Mm. it's been almost exclusively Theatre work. Right. It's, I'm gonna, it's my, I'm gonna stop it's my you. thing. Andy, I'm okay, going to okay. stop you because I'm going to let everyone in because we've got 50-yard now. So Okay, that's great. Time. All right, mate. Here they come. All right. I think we... Uh, hello, good people. Um, feels like we haven't done this in a long time. Hello, Stephen. Um, it feels like we haven't done this in forever, utterly forever. Um, hello, Quentin. I was just about to say, Quentin, unmute yourself and you, you beat me to it. Hello, Dusty. Um, if you go by the name of Rosie Porty or Philippa Hall, um, uh, unmute yourself and uh, and say hi. Um, so, everybody, uh, I think you'll see our Andy Hockley, a.k.a. Boo Hiss, uh, Philip Moss, has really entered into the spirit of things. Look, look at his background. He's been detained at Her Majesty's <laughs> Pleasure. And, uh, you know, uh, a a more fitting fate (laughs) uh, that could not have been uh, for... I totally agree with it, yeah. But Andy, uh, just before, just whilst we're still admitting people, I'll tell you what, they all want to hear about your betrayal of the evil modern slaver because um, they're they're piling piling in. There's 60-yard, I'm still admitting people. So uh, just before we officially start, um, how are you, sir, and where is home? I'm very well. I'm in Coventry, so I'm not far from Ambridge. Um, 
I, I I'm in no a prison, idea. of course. I'm in a prison in Coventry. Ah. Coventry Prison, which was created just for, for me. Just hold me. <laughs> I had no idea, because um, obviously we've chatted once or twice before now. I had no idea that you um, hold up in the Midlands. I, I don't know why, but I just presumed... Yeah, when uh, I left were... Wales, I mm-hmm. um, I went to study theatre design, of all things, at uh, the City of Birmingham Polytechnic. And I, I got my first work in the theatre, because I didn't train as an actor at all. Um, I trained as a designer. Uh-huh. And um, my first my first work was in, was in Birmingham, because obviously that's where I trained and that's where I'd made most of my contacts. So I stayed in Brum for about eight years and then... Um, and then I, just, I moved to Coventry for a one-off job to do pantomime in 1989. And I've been here ever since because I met my wife on the show. So um, I'm still here in uh, the Midlands. What, why, did, why did you decide to give up, um, you know, uh, theatre design? What was it that made you go, oh, I want to... I'd always wanted, I'd always wanted to act, is the truth. I'd mm-hmm. always wanted to show off. And... Um, I've been a member of the National Youth Theatre of Wales in my youth for about four years. And I never, <clears throat> I never took that step. I never had the bravery to apply for drama schools. Mm-hmm. And because I, I, I grew up in quite a small place in Wales, and because I could always draw and I was good at art, mm-hmm. it was one of those things that my family said, oh, he's, he's ever so good at art. He'll probably go to art college. And I... And that's what happened. I just sort of went along with it because I had no burning desire to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do, to be honest. Um, so I I got my degree in theatre design. I worked as a designer professionally for about 12 months. And then I got, I got seen in a play at what used to be Aston Centre for the Arts, the old Triangle Arts Centre mm. at Costa Green. Yeah. And... Um, there was a a professional director in the audience, unbeknownst to me, who approached me in the bar afterwards and asked me if I'd ever considered becoming a professional actor. And I said, yes, but it's it's a pipe dream. Hmm. Um, And I was working as assistant technical manager at that art centre at the time. And and she got talking to me and I said, anyway, I, I don't have an equity card because in those days you had to have your provisional card and then you had to work 32 weeks and get your full card. Mm. <clears throat> I said, I don't have a, an equity card and have because I've not been to drama school, I have no access to one. And she said, well, you have because I've got one that I can give you if, if you are interested in... Because in those days, small touring companies used to g- get given equity cards by equity, one for a performer and one for stage management or lighting or, or whatever to use at their discretion. So I did. I gave, I gave up my job. I took the plunge and started work for a company called Theatre Foundry, which some people in the Midlands might have heard of. They were based in Darleston in the, in the black country. Mm. And I was lucky enough to stay with them for long enough to obtain my full card, which in those days then enabled you to start working in the reps and on TV and stuff. So I kind of, I fell into it by a happy accident. A happy accident. And 
What has been your, what, what do you think you specialise in? Do you specialise in evil Welsh bastards that, you know? No. Or, or have no. you been the avuncular lovable uh, type of character? Not at all. I don't know. I mean, pe- people of a certain age and um, maybe people that have got grandchildren uh, may or may not recognise me from a children's television series that I did in the 90s called Play Days. Mm-hmm. And I I was Mr. Jolly <laughs> of the roundabout stop, who, <laughs> who, you know, was the most avuncular character in the world and was lovely to children and told stories and sang songs. And um, it, it's only recently. In fact, when Philip was introduced into the Archers, I don't think there was a clear plan. I certainly don't think that the, the slavery story was in place when I arrived. Um, I I was introduced as Philip Moss by Hugh Kanea Jones, who was only editor there for about a year, but I knew Hugh when he was still an actor. So we went back years and years and years. And he said, I've got this idea for this Welsh character, that, this builder that I want to bring into the, the, the show. And um, it, it, just read, read a bit of it. And if, you, if you're interested, it's yours. I've got nobody else in mind for it. So of course, I, I'd always wanted to play uh, a regular character in the Archers because I I've done the Archers. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done, I, I won't say how many because I know you've got a quiz question, but I have played other characters in the Archers, but never for more than one episode. I used to go in, do three scenes, and then leave for ten years and never went back there. So I said yes, of course, I'd love to do it. And the fact that I was doing Wicked in the West End. And it meant that I could juggle the two jobs and, and, you know, Wicked were willing to work around the Archers and the Archers were willing to work around Wicked. And it worked and it w- worked absolutely beautifully. So um, that's that's kind of how I ended up in it. Sorry, I'd, I'm wittering on and I forgot your original question. <laughs> you know, me too. Don't worry about it. This is this is the lovely thing about these Fridays. You know, it's just like a nice little cosy chat. I know this is just like a nice yeah, little but, chat, isn't it? Yeah, I know. There's, there's nobody viewing. You know, it, it's fine. It, it's just us. You know, conversation can go wherever, yeah. wherever we want. So let's go back to uh, the first time that you visited Ambridge. Um, what year was that? Um, and what was it like? What was the role that you played the first time you were at, um, you know, was, uh, you were at uh, BBC Pebble Mill? It was the halcyon days of Pebble Mill, yeah. Um, it was 1987, and I played a young, bogus removal man of no name. He was just a removal man. And I, I sweet talked here. I can see a theme. I'm so sorry. I know this. This one was a villain. Okay. All right. He he, he sweet talked Marjorie Antrobus out of two antique chairs. He said he was going to take them away and get them reupholstered, and he didn't. He, he stole them. So that was my first character on the Archers. Mm-hmm. And how long were you actually part of the the cast then? Was that just a one day in and one out, nick the chairs, day. or just one day? One Literally day. one day, yeah, in and out. And that happens with a lot of people. You know, you get guests in that just play what's needed for the storylines at the time. Mm. I, I was, well, I am an antrobus, 
that's the character who I remember coming into the village with the Afghan hounds. So I, I have a certain attachment to Marjorie Antrobus. Wow. But, but what were you doing uh, around about that point then? So um, you've already transitioned from doing the theatre design. You've got your equity card. What, what, other, yeah. what other acting gigs were you doing? Or where were you living at that point? Birmingham. I would have been in Birmingham then. I moved to Coventry in 89. Um, so I'd done a year with Theatre Foundry, touring around doing like the, the toughest introduction to the business, really. One, one night stand gigs where you you turn up mid-afternoon to the, to the old school in Darleston, which is where we were based. Mm-hmm. Load, out, load the set and everything, all the sound equipment and all the lights onto the back of the van. Drive to the venue. So it could have been somewhere like, I don't know, Wensbury. Well, it wouldn't take long to get to Wensbury from Darleston, but anywhere around the black country in Birmingham. Arrive at the venue, unpack the, the trucks, set everything up ourselves, because we only had one technician that came out on the road with us and that the acting company used to do have to do everything else. Mm-hmm. Put the set up, put the lights up, set the sound equipment up, do the show. Then when, when all the audience had gone home, take it all down again pack it into the back of the van and travel back to Darleston. And we, we do that like seven nights a week in, in, in a different venue every night. Well, I could do it then because I was young. It was easy to do. Mm-hmm. And it used to, get, it used to get to the point where doing the show was like having a rest because the rest of the work was so heavy and lugging stuff in and out of a truck. That it, it was quite a relief to actually just do the show. At what point did you feel that not only were you an actor, but this was a proper career? I'm, I'm always kind of struck that um, it's a real desire and to be an actor is a vocation for a lot of yeah. people. But they've got other side hustles because it's, it's not exactly the most stable of... Uh, Careers. You know, touch wood, I have to say, only when my daughter was born and I stepped out, I stepped back so I could spend more time with her when she was growing up. Mm-hmm. That was the only period where I looked for and did other work other than acting. And, I, and even then I was in the theatre. I used to work front of house and, and behind the bar at the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry. But I suppose the answer to your question is, it's the longer I went on as a professional actor and I'd get to the end of each year and I'd look back at how many jobs I'd done that year and how many weeks I'd not been working. And there weren't many weeks in a year where I wasn't working. And, you know, I'd clock up three or four theatre jobs a year, quite a lot of radio. I used to do a lot of radio at Pebble Mill, the occasional TV, but very, very little. Um, and so I suppose I th- there did come a point where I thought, I, this can be my living. I can make a living out of it. Mm. And then at the latter, the latter half of my career, so I suppose roughly for about the last 10 years, the shows that I've done have been long-running. Well, I did The Phantom of the Opera for three years. I'll have done, if, I had, if the pandemic hadn't have happened, I'd have done Wicked for three years. So, um, and I, I toured Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as well for best part of 18 months. So rather than doing 
having the variety of doing about three, four, five different jobs a year, I was just doing the one, but the one was all I needed. Moving on to the reason why you're here, right? You you are Philip Moss. Uh, so many actors say exactly what you say that they're told to try out for a role, or you know, director whispers in their ear and says, "You know, come and do this for us." Right? Yeah. Um, what did they tell you about the per the, the role that you were going to inhabit? You know, the must other than he's a Welsh bloke, he's a, maybe approximately your age. What other direction did you get? Do you mean specifically for Philip? Yeah, yeah, for Philip. Yeah. Or just generally? No, for Philip. For, for Philip. All he you know, said to me was, mm -hmm. because I have to keep going back to Hukunea Jones because. It, I, I, Philip was born out of his imagination, if you like. He, he as editor, decided he wanted to bring that character in. And um, um, basically what happened was, he, all he said to me was, he's, he's Welsh, he's a builder, um, he, 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 he seems a perfectly nice chap, but there's something that he's involved in, but I can't tell you what it is. All, all I can say to you is, it's going to be a slow burn. And I thought, okay. But then what happened was Hugh left after a year and he went back into television production. So then Jeremy came in and Jeremy must have been thinking, obviously they must have had conversations and, and Hugh must have said what, what he thought my through line would be. But I get the impression from when I was called into the office to talk to Jeremy and, and Dave Payne was one of the producers that they had decided to involve Philip in this slavery storyline when Jeremy had taken over. I, I don't know because you're not fed that much information, but I get the impression that that storyline probably didn't exist when I first came into the, the programme. And it kind of felt a bit like that as well because for about 18 months, as an actor as well, as the character, I just felt as if I was kind of drifting around and had no specific purpose, mm. you know? And, um, you know, I, I was a sounding board for Shuler and, and Alistair when the, their marriage was hitting the rocks. And, you know, I got this kind of tenuous friendship with Jazza and and I, I thought what might happen was that they introduced me to be a little bit of a, a temptation for Shuler and that I would be a kind of catalyst in the breakdown of the marriage. And that seemed to be the way that things were going until, you know, the, the, the fated day in the, in the bird watch where um, when Kirsty and I got it together, having screamed at each other at the council meeting about the pollution of the am. And um, I think that's where, that's where it kind of veered off because I think Jeremy had, had come in by then and, um, and was steering my storyline in, into a, a definite direction. So really, I didn't, I didn't know at all what my function was going to be when I, when I joined the cast. I had no idea. Um, I need 
to apologize to everybody just just very very quickly uh andy because not only am i using the wrong mic, which should be the right mic now um everybody can hear the pings so um, i know i've turned on the text chat um if you know how i can switch off the pings you can't hear when people are joining the room please type and tell me now um because of the zoom bombing i reset everything and followed some instructions which people gave me and um obviously what i've done is i've unchecked ringtones or something like automatically join computer mute mic and well, joining meeting let me take that is anyone tell me how to switch off these pings in the background uh, that would be great um hopefully uh, it's not uh disrupting your enjoyment too much uh quentin rayner you're, you're a man of uh broadcast vintage uh you worked for auntie for years i feel like i'm doing all the heavy lifting here quentin well we're just we're just listening aren't we um hello andy nice thank you thank hello you. quentin it's, it's probably my fault because i have a tendency to Witter, so tell, <laughs> tell me, tell me to shut up and get back to the point when you need me to. Um, well, there's so much to go, at, isn't there, Andy? I, mean, I have to say, first off, Andy, that you are one of those rare actors who looks exactly how I'd imagined Philip Moss would look. Is that right? Because from what I've read online, you're the only person that thinks that. Oh, no, no, no. There's a couple of people on the Gemdy Dum group which have said exactly what Everybody Quentin else said. thinks he's got tousled hair. No, no, you are. Anyway. In my, in my mind, you are the epitome of Philip Moss. It's, it's very rare, you know. You go on the Archer's website with trepidation because you have an image in your head of what these characters look like. And normally they don't look like anything that you can imagine. But, but you, you do. It's extraordinary. So um, I really feel I'm, I'm meeting Philip that Moss. That's kind of what freaked me out when I started to do it on a more regular basis is that because I'd never been a huge listener of the Archers. I had sort of dipped in and out of it. Yeah. But um, to be sat in the green room, and I'm sure all the actors in the Archers say the same thing, but when you first go in and you're sat in the green room and you have no idea who anybody is until they start to talk, and then it's mind-blowing. Well, Andy, we, we don't have any idea who anybody is, and we've been listening for years, so it's not delayed. <laughs> um um, personally, I'm, I'm really frustrated that um, there is to be no trial, that you've, Philip Moss has pleaded guilty. Because Not as frustrated I, I, as me. I was going to say, as an actor, you must be frustrated because that potentially, that was a lot of scenes, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think at one point they were looking to go down that route. Mm. Um, but I suppose with... You know, because they did make a lot of concessions with me because obviously I was down in London performing eight shows a week and I could really only do Sundays. So um, lockdown in a way helped and accelerated the slavery storyline to come to a head because I think it would have been even more drawn out had lockdown not happened and I was still commuting and doing the two jobs. Um. So, yeah, you see, because this is the second time it's happened recently, um, because we were cheated of Brian's day in court as well. Yeah, it was just yeah. a throwaway. Oh, Brian's been fine, this and that. And you think obviously, well, I was really hoping that it would go to trial, and I, I, I thought that that was something that maybe the 
listeners would have been interested in as well is to actually hear. Because yes. the thing is with Philip, there was no doubt at all that he was going to be found guilty. He had to. Mo morally, the scriptwriters could not put a storyline like that in and let a character get away with it. No. And so I knew, I, I knew whatever route it went down, he was going to be found guilty and he was going to be banged up for a long time. But I, th I, the selfishness in me, because obviously I wanted to stay in the arches for as long as possible, especially having lost my theatre job to the to, to the pandemic as well. Um, I thought it would have been interesting to hear the trial, to actually hear how he got broken down and how they got the truth out of him, rather than just one visit from Kirsty to prison. And that visit, which was my last scenes, obviously pricked his conscience enough for him to change his plea. You just said the last scene. Are we ne never going to hear from Philip again? I don't think so. Oh. I don't think so. I can't... I, I don't know what they could do with him now. Now that they're not going to pursue the trial... He's caused so much unrest and upset in Ambridge. He's messed up so many people's lives that his, his position is kind of untenable. He could never go back there. No, I agree. Because um, he'd be liked, lynched. I would have liked the trial to hear his justification. Yeah. That would have been an interesting thing to play as well. It would. It would. Um, so I, I'm fed up on our behalf, but very much on, on your behalf as well. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. So, I mean, we so, keep, half, half of us keep expecting Rob to reappear, so we'll be on tenderhooks waiting for either you or... Oh, he's, he's just next door here, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, now you you've... Was um... Andy. You wish he was Andy. Sorry? Rosie? I should say, we wish Rob was in prison. And no, no, he's, he is, is he walking free, is he? But you carry on. Yes, yeah. Un unfortunately, yes, uh, Mr. Titchener is is free. Um, so now you've unburdened yourself, or at least the the powers that be at uh, the Archers have uh, uh, unburdened you from playing Philip Moss. You can dish the dirt, can't you? You can you can, you can tell us all the inside gossip. You know, there's only eighty. I can't. I'm a great I'm a great believer in the, in the say and never say never though. Oh, and I don't okay. want to burn my boats just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case Kirsty or Shula decide to visit me again. All right. Who was your best mate? Who you know? Who did you get along with the most? You know. Whoa, that's difficult. Um, be well, because I'd worked with them before in radio drama at Pebble Mill years and years and years ago. I, I I've got a history with Michael Lumsden, who plays Alistair. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we've known each other for a long, long time. Uh, Ian Pepperell, who plays Roy Tucker, we've worked together extensively in the theatre as well. And in fact, in one play that I did at in the Birmingham Rep studio, I played Ian's dad. I was Roy Tucker's dad. Uh, I, actually, I was a baddie in that as well. I played a nasty old Staffordshire farmer. Yeah. Um, so I'm digging a hole for myself here by saying I don't <laughs> normally play villains. Uh, maybe they're, they're they're the roles that stick in my head because they're the they're far more interesting to play. Uh, Roy, 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 can I just uh, I've just noticed on the chat that Miss Pur Purple Pumpkin has suggested that 
she says, I see Philip as a bit more like Quentin. Yes, I, I saw that as well, but I just let it, I just let it ride. I wasn't going to draw attention to it. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> um, just whilst we have a little bit of a pause, folks, I think um, not only do I need to just say again, apologise about the pings. I, I've gone to my settings. Thank you, Adam, for telling me how to do it. I've gone to settings. I've actually turned it off. But maybe that is then the next time I then log on. But it won't happen again on, on another Zoom. Um, so, and I know Dusty, you've been very kind. He says, oh, yeah, I just heard a ping, but it's kind of all right. I think now it's kind of calmed down. It's not, you know, pinging 10 to the dozen now that we've got um, literally eight of you. Eight you can just you pretend the it's the little pings they have to, to, to get the attention of the warders. There you go. There's something going there on somewhere. Um, so um, Andy, did, did, did you let the cats out of the bag? We, we have a dum-de-dum uh, quiz, uh, folks. Um, however... Um, Mr. Hockley, uh, I will admit that uh, our good Rosie over there in Portobello in Edinburgh, yeah, she put together the questions, oh, and brilliant. I didn't give her the Thank correct you, the correct direction, which was actually to look at your notes. So this is all about Philip Moss as opposed to Andy Hockley, but that's the reason why we talk to you anyway. So we get of we get the man behind the character. So, um, folks. Pay, pencil and paper in hand. Uh, question number one. Who introduced Philip Moss to Ambridge? Was it A, Justin, B, Brian, or C, Shula? And not only is everybody here um, an utter expert on all things Ambridge, they've been listening to what you said, Andy. And if they've been listening to what you said uh, in the preamble to the quiz, that have got the answer. So question number one, who introduced Philip Moss to Ambridge? Was it A, Justin, B, Brian, or C, Shula? Question number two, what brought Philip and Kirsty together? Again, if you were paying attention, if, you, and if you'd forgotten, uh, you'll know the answer. Was it A, the hunt, B, bird watching, or C, cricket? Again, <laughs> what brought Philip and Kirsty together? Was it A, the hunt, B, bird watching, or C, cricket. Question number three. Uh, what was the first Mrs. Moss's name? Was it A, Rhiannon, B, Ceres, or C, Methanwy? Was it Rhiannon, Ceres, or... Or Keris, I think it's pronounced. Keris. Yeah, it is Keris. Keris. Yeah. Or is it Methanwy? What was the name of the first unfortunate wife of Philip Moss. Uh, question number four. How much did Victoria pay for Blake? Was it a cool £1,000? Was it £500? Or was it 20 quid? Price of a round down the boozer. Was it £1,000, 500 Or was it 20 quid? How much did Victoria pay for Blake. Question number five. What addiction did Philip say Gavin had? Was it a shopping addiction, a gambling addiction, or C, a drugs addiction? What excuse did the evil Philip Moss give for uh, Gavin's behaviour so he could cover his tracks? Did he have a shopping addiction, a gambling addiction, or was it a drug addiction? Question number six. When Gavin found Alice unconscious at the side of the road, did Philip call an ambulance, 
go and help Gavin, or C, tell Gavin to leave her the hell alone. Again, when Gavin found Alice unconscious at the side of the road, did Philip tell his son to, uh, did he, sorry, call an ambulance? Did he go and help Gavin or tell Gavin to leave her the hell alone? Question number seven. What prison term can Philip expect? Now, Rosie, you didn't give me the answer on this and I forgot I forgot to email you for the answer. So uh, please uh, tell me via the chat, Rosie. Um, was it A, 18 years? B, nine years? Or C, it's unknown due to a potential deal regarding wider trafficking. What prison term can Philip Moss expect? 18 years, nine years? Or is it unknown because he's doing a deal with the Crown Prosecution Service uh, to give him more information on wider trafficking? And the last question... You might will... need to message me the answer to that one as well. I'll let you know as soon as I know. Right. Uh, and then the last question... I will, Andy, no problem. <laughs> last question. Will Kirsty divorce Philip? I've got a sneaky feeling this might be the tiebreaker. Yes or no? Quite simply. There you go. Um, there is, folks, our questions. And you will have noticed that there's no pitch around. Quite simply, I, I'm not going to lie to you, folks. I've, ran, I've run out of uh, pitch around questions. I sat down this morning, got up, I went, right, pitch around. Couldn't think of any. Without me recycling, and I know a lot of you uh, have actually seen these before. So... When we do another one of these, if somebody wants to email me and say, Mush, I've thought of some pitch around questions, uh, tell me and, and we'll whack them on because I do enjoy doing them. Um, Rosie, um, is there anything you would like to get out of our Philip Moss? Um, because I know your, 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 your questions are generally quite insightful and I don't know where the heck um, our Philippa Hall is. I know she, she's lurking around here somewhere. So, Philip, oh, yeah. Philip. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Well, why don't you ask a question first, Rosie, and then uh, we'll hand over to Philippa. That's if you've got one. If you if you um, don't have one. Hi, Andy. Lovely to meet you. And hi, Rosie. You too. In the show. Thank you very, very much indeed. Um, how much money does that have in his secret bank account? <laughs> Did you get that? I, I don't think. I don't think he's got a secret bank account. I think that's why he was so desperate for money. I I I don't I don't know if he's got a slush fund anywhere. Mm. Well, there was definitely something there, wasn't there? Like intriguing. I think he may do, but I think he had enough money. He, he, he must have. Yeah, I suppose he must have enough because I, he, he would have he would have funded Gavin's wedding. Mm. He he would have or. He might have um, just sent him over to Bali and gone looking for your brother, Royfield, actually, and, and just stayed with him. Yeah, uh, he, he's, he's the smart one of the Brown brothers, my, my brother. You know, I'm, I'm slumming it in California and he's just relaxing on a beach in Bali and, and calling it uh, at work. Um, Sarah Spilsby yeah, says, hot damn, uh, I love the picture around. So sorry about that, Sarah. So, sorry, Andy, I, I cut in. No, I was going to say... Um, if he does have a secret bank account, it'd be very interesting to know what's going to happen to that money. Because obviously Gavin's not going to get any of it because he's going to be banged up too. And it'd be interesting to see if Rosie, if um, Kirsty gets anything. 
Mm. Uh, Philippa. Yes. Hi, Andy. Hello, Philippa. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that we might not have any more scenes with you. That's that's very sad news. Well, it's just the way, you know, I'm... In a way, I would rather go out on a high having contributed to what I think has been a very important storyline mm. than just plodding along, doing the odd scene here and there. And without, and I don't mean this in a belittling way at all, please believe me, but, you know, popping in, in, in and out of the shop every once in a while and baking a cake for the product show, and that's not what I would have, it, I wouldn't have enjoyed that. I think I'd have got a little bit bored you, if, if that was going to be my existence in the village. So to, 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 to be given the, the, the gift of that storyline yeah, um, has been fantastic. Had, you've had some very interesting scenes lately, particularly visitors to you in prison. You've had uh, Shula and Kirsty. Um, yeah. Which one of those was the the most enjoyable, if I can use that word, to to do because they were very interesting. Um, I I must admit, I, I mean, I think that my answer to that, in all honesty, would be the Kirsty scene because I because I kind of knew it was probably going to be my swan song, and there was a lot there too, and, and also it, that was really weird because they'd shut the, the mailbox down again by then. So that, that my final scenes with Annabelle, I did here in this room. I didn't even have her with me. She was at home and I was at home and we had to do those really emotional scenes in prison over like this. And that was really difficult. That was really difficult. And that is the only regret I've got in that I wanted to do those scenes and our relationship real justice and I kind of felt that I had the opportunity taken away from me to be able to deliver that properly be because of the circumstances in which we had to record it gosh yes absolutely but, well, I, but I did I think I did make a lot of friends with my parting shot to Shula when she left and I said um what sort of vicar is a miserable cow like you gonna make <laughs> I think a lot of people liked Philip for, for, for just for 10 seconds. Oh, that's dodgy. You said you wanted me to dish the dirt. No, listen, Judy's a lovely, lovely person and she's been in it a long time and long may she continue in it. As a vicar or not a vicar, I don't know where that's going to go. Certainly for us listening, when you had the scenes with um, Blake and Jordan and Kenzie, it changed the dynamic for us hearing it how was that probably probably my favorite my favorite work of the time that I was there was, was that one episode where I was I was really coercive with Blake in a very very gentle and a very calculated way and it was that for me when I heard it back it was very important because in my in my mind it kind of set the tone for how Philip was going to behave through all this. Listening to the way in which he, he could not lose his temper or, or get really angry or anything, which he, he didn't do much. He had his little moments with people, but he was very um, considered and controlled about the whole mm -hmm. thing. 
And I think that's what people found quite chilling about him. That was when that was when Blake was in hospital, wasn't it? You know that. Yes. That, that's what you're referring to. So, from yeah. an actor's point of view, explain how you portrayed Philip. Obviously, you've got the lines on 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 that piece of paper, which you're silently turning as you you're talking. But how yeah. did you create Philip Moss? I knew that he had to to enable him to continue doing what he was doing. He had to be able, able to have the facility to hide in plain sight in that village amongst everybody. And so he, he had to appear to be just a kind of ordinary bloke, you know, who was willing to lend a hand with stuff, who listened to people when they were in trouble and would seem just a decent chap. Um, and the, the, the funny thing about it is, I still don't think he believes, whether or not he truly believes it or whether he, in his mind he's convinced himself to enable him to live with it, that he's not doing anything wrong. I think he honestly believes he was doing those boys a favour and that if he hadn't taken them in, they'd still be out on the streets and, you know, life could have been a lot, lot worse for them, I suppose you could say. Um, not condoning at all what he did and, and the coerce, coercive manner in which he did it. But um, I don't think he believes he's doing anything bad. Hmm. Maybe out of the bounds of the law, but not bad. Yeah. I don't know I, how I, anybody else feels about that. I, I think you're correct. I think you're absolutely correct. He knows that legally it's wrong but he doesn't see it as being ethically wrong at all. So he knows that he can't tell everybody what he's doing, but actually his conscience is actually clean in that regard. Um, uh, yeah, go on, sorry, Andy. No, and I was going to say, what, what the, the accommodation that he provided for them was, what I'm saying is he didn't, he didn't physically mistreat them in any way. He obviously did mentally and spiritually. But um, I suppose he, he could have been a lot worse. This, uh, this is starting to sound like me trying to condone what he... I don't at all. I think he's a, a horrible human being for what he did. But I, I, as an actor, I have to try and get in there. And I have to try and find the plus sides as well as the negative sides to enable it to work for me. Mm. Yes. Um, right. It's 22 and these things are only supposed to last an hour. We always go on a little bit longer, Andy, and stuff. But um, So it's the point when I go into gallery view and I go, right, you rabble, do you have a question for our Mr. Andy Hockley? Right, Rob Williams, I'm asking you to unmute, sir. Unmute, fire away. There you go, you're up. Cheers, thanks, Rob Field. Hi, Andy. Hello, uh, Rob. Hi. <clears throat> Philip Moss, the biggest villain since Rob Titchener, who I still blame for ruining the name Rob, but that's by the <laughs> by. Uh, <clears throat> when did you know he was going to turn out to be a baddie? Was it a casting or was it further down the story arc? Much, much further down the story arc. Probably. Right. I, I, Jeremy uh, stuck his head in the green room and I was there recording probably around about... When would it have been? 
October, November time, 2019. Wow, right. Yeah. And he called me into the office and Dave Payne was there and was one of the script producers, script editors. And he said, look, um, and, at, and at that time, they they were really starting to build Philip and Kirsty's relationship up. And I think I might have even proposed, have proposed to her by then. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I had. Um, and he called me into the office and he said, you can probably guess that we're building Kirsty and Philip up to enable us to knock them down and completely destroy them. And I, right. and I sort of just sat there nodding, thinking, <laughs> oh, I didn't want to hear that. But yes, I can, see, I can see that that makes sense. I can see that's the way it's going. And then they told me what the storyline was going to be. And at first, um, before we got onto the slavery thing, he said that I was going to be responsible for this massive explosion at Grey Gables. Well, you can imagine my bottom jaw hit the <coughs> office floor because I thought, oh my God, Philip Moss is going to blow up Grey Gables. <laughs> and then when it was touch and go with Linda Snell and Carol, I've known for years as, as well. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, no, please don't make me the character that kills Pretty Linda wrong. Snell. I couldn't live with that. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've kind of known since, certainly be, just before Christmas 2019, that that, that storyline was going to start to evolve. Oh, wow, right. And and what Hugh said to me then made sense when he said it was going to be a slow burn. And, of course, the, the, the fantastic thing about something like The Archers, it enables you to play out those scenarios in real time. Yeah. yeah. However long they take, you don't have to rush them. Yeah. And I think that it makes them more potent because of that. True. True. Thank you, Rob. Right, we're back on the gallery view. You can either wave or you can use the, right, Stephen B, then I'm coming on to you, Bernadette Hawks. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Stephen B, you go for it, sir. Hi, Andy. Um, Hi, Stephen. I don't know whether you... I don't know whether you've heard of a village called Greenbourne, which has just been um, flogged around as a the new arrival of the archers. Um, I was just wondering whether Philip oh. should take a new an identity, uh, you take an, a new identity, having dished the dirt on Victoria Ooh, and moved. Go and go and mess up the lives of the residents of Greenbourne as well. And I've not heard of that. Is that going to be a new BBC thing? No, it's on about fifty community radio stations. They've recorded, I think, 12, 15-minute episodes, and it's oh, it's right. just been a lot of media coverage claiming it has rivaled the Archers because there's one actor who... Well, Stephen, if you know anybody yeah. involved in it, tell them I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. But... I might yeah, be able to get day release. It's on the Guardian release. website today, Andy. Oh, yeah, okay, Andy, I'll have a little read of that. That's interesting. Today, so Google. Okay, okay, oh. I'll have a little look. You'll be, you'll, be free in about, you'll be free in about five years' time, Wayne. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Uh, right, we're going back on to gallery view. I love gallery view. You see everybody's lovely, smiley, happy faces. Uh, Bernadette, I said you're next. Then we're going to do Jan Mitchell. Go on, Bernadette. Okay, um, Alan, you, you're wearing a very smart jumper today. Thank um, you. But I do wonder, do you really like Christmas jumpers in real life? Answer carefully. <laughs> I have got a rather spectacular <laughs> Christmas jumper. I only have the one. I'm not one of the, I'm not like Giles Brandreith. I don't have a, like a whole wardrobe full of them. I do have one fantastic Christmas jumper that's got Rudolph on it and he's got bells on his antlers and, it, and a, a nice big fluffy red nose. And that one Christmas j- jumper does come out every Christmas. Oh, I think I can let you off then. Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, Jan, uh, you are next. I'm asking you to unmute. And uh, I always like it when we when we have you on, Jan, because you're, oh. you're not too... Yeah, well, we're in the same time zone now, aren't we? Because you're yes. in BC. You are in British Columbia, aren't you? Yes, yes exactly. that's right. Pacific exactly. time zone. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so. I want to say it's so great to see so many uh, names and face. I'm like putting the faces to the names of people I've heard on Dumpty Dum and also uh, seen their posts on Facebook. So hello to everybody. Um, uh, I just noticed in the chat that um, I hope I hope Kristen doesn't mind. Kristen Foster put a question in chat. And I thought it was such a good question. I'd like to ask the same one. Um, you're you're stealing even, it. You're stealing. I'm stealing question. it. Well, well, as long yeah. as we're clear. As long as we're clear. Go, go for it. Yes, I'm stealing, Kristen. I seem to remember Philip being a specialist historic buildings restorer type of builder when he first arrived. And, and she's wondering if that's a false memory. Um, I don't recall him 
the inner specialist. I, I certainly don't think he was um, specialising in restoration. Mm. I think he's a very, I, he, I think he is uh, a very good builder. I, I don't yeah. think anybody had any complaints about the work that he did. Um, I think his, I think what it was was one of his first jobs was for uh, uh, for Justin Elliot and Lillian, where he was kind mm. of renovating their bathroom because they wanted it done in a very particular way. And I think he he was quite good and fastidious at that. But other than that, I think I just think he's a he's just a bog standard builder, really. Uh-huh. Who Thanks. Who doesn't pay his uh, his employees? Uh, right. Who did I say was <laughs> yeah. going to be next? Who did I say was going to be next? All right, uh, Carolyn Cooper. Are you waving, Carolyn? You, yes. All right. You you are up next, Carolyn. You go for it. Ask him to unmute. There you go. Hi, um, thank you so much for coming and talking to us tonight. It's really enjoyable. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's been great fun. So, really quick question for you. What do you think is the backstory for you and Gavin? Well, for Philip and Gavin. That's a good one. Oh, wow. How long have you got? That's a can of worms, yeah. I mean, I often ask myself the question, why is Philip the man that he is? And what is it in his makeup that makes him the way he is. Um, and it suddenly struck me, he, there was one conversation that he had with Kirsty where he was trying to explain the history of the, the family business and the fact that his, I think it was his brother, had come in and taken the business over for a while and virtually ran it into the ground. And, and, and so financially and, and business-wise, it was on its last legs and Philip had to put a, a real lot of effort in to, to building it back up again, if you pardon the pun. And then I thought, maybe, is that was that the catalyst? Is that why he started to use slave labour? Is because he was he was really down on his luck and was was having to, to build the business back up again. And I know that Gavin came in and was involved with him at that time. And I, I don't know is is the honest answer to that, Carolyn. I think maybe Philip had a bad relationship with his own father, which we didn't, I believe, didn't really hear about. But I, I, I'm just wondering whether now that he's older and he's in a position of control, whether it's just tipped him over. Because obviously... The interesting thing is Gavin is almost as much a victim as Kenzie, Jordan and Blake in a different way, but he's he, Philip was so coercive with his son as well. And, you know, the, that, that's, that's a whole other story, really, which we're not going to be able to play now because I'm in prison. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shame. Thank you. That was a great question, uh, Carolyn. Sorry, that wasn't a great. That wasn't a great answer, but it, it was a fantastic question and not a very good answer. But it's a really complicated one to answer. That uh, I think you're being unduly negative with yourself there, uh, Andy. Right, uh, wave your hand or use the uh, hands up uh, functionality, Melly, over there in uh, the land of my ancestors, Scotland. Uh, I'm asking you to unmute. You go for it, Melly. 
Good evening, everybody. Um, Hi, Millie. So my, my question is that until I met Dum De Dum, I had no idea that the archers would set in the Midlands because I'm utterly ignorant and England is just England. But I'm kind of interested in how... So Rob, who was very, you know, under the wire, not noticed, because he sounded like everybody else to me. But then we've got, like, Jazza being a bit of an extreme character and you being a bit of an extreme character. It's, I can't help but wonder if it feels like the scriptwriters are still writing for people in England and introduce these other accents so that... Not that it plays anything out, but it makes it more memorable because you're very clearly beautifully Welsh and I love it. But when we get these external, really external accents, like Lexi, it tends to really drive a storyline. That's that's an absolutely brilliant point, Melly, actually. I'd I'd never really given it any thought, but... Think of all the teenager, teenager, young yeah. adult males in Ambridge. I can't tell them apart unless they name each other. But when we get, we get Jazza, we get you, we get Lexi. I'm sure there's others that I can't recall right now that are driving the stories through. There's there's the core that are just keeping the farming, farms stuff, all about the archers. But the actual powerful storylines are always somebody who's really distinctive with their, their accent. Except Rob. That's a great point. Because he was sneaky. I don't know what to say about that, except that I, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's, I think that's a really interesting observation. That's the first time I've heard that. No, but I, I, I do think no, I do. It's, it's a tool. It's a, it's a, it's a way to make us pay more attention rather than just this is farm chat. It's not just, it's not farm chat. There's a, a very distinctive accent that, you know, I'm Scottish. I hear a Welsh accent. It's very clearly Welsh. I hear an Irish accent, very clearly Irish, like Siobhan. Yeah. Um, and then we had Lexi. So yeah. I, I think they are they're using they're not using you, darling. You've been fabulous. But in in utilizing that, it helps us go, oh, hold on a minute. No, I understand. Here's exactly an outsider. This is an outsider. What are they doing there? Is it for good or is it for bad? And I'm really going to miss Philip. You're quite an arse, but I can't believe. <laughs> oh, Mary, you say the loveliest thing. I know, you're a lovely arse. <laughs> but you can't say you're a lovely arse on, online. You're, you're sitting on it. You're sitting on it. I can't see. I am. But the point is, I think the writers, I, I, I imagine, I don't know, but I think a lot of the writers are, are English. And have they, you done, I, I think you've done a Dumpty Dum, haven't you, with Kerry Davis? Yes, we have. Yes. Because yeah. if, if you do any more Dumpty Dums with, with some of the other sort of regular writers, mm-hmm. that would be an absolutely stonking question to ask uh, the script writers. We, we, we have never got a stonking question. That's a first. <laughs> because that, I, I, I would love to be part of the audience if you ask that question to a scriptwriter because I'd love to know the answer myself of whether it is a deliberate choice or whether it's just been completely serendipitous and, and, and that's the way it's worked out. Do you know, I would think it would be serendipitous and when I was thinking about it, the only thing that stuck in my head where I don't think it is, is because of Rob. 
because he was so insidious. He was mm. so under the radar. There was nothing that alerted us to him. You know, we get alerted to Jazza being a bit random and Scottish. Yes. Offended. Then we've got, oh, suddenly a Welsh voice. We, we've not had one of them before. That's, oh, what's going on here? So, I uh, yeah, okay. Royfield, Kerry. Well, well done. Um, you know what? I've, I've missed uh, the whole, the Witherspoon action. There's a whole load of chat saying Witherspoon, it was too distracting. He was, he tuned in whilst he was at the gym. I know he had his pets Are out you... or he got really sweaty, but yeah. Witherspoon picked the gym as his previous commitment over this. Well, but but, but he, he logged on and his camera was there and he was at the gym and I, I don't know what to do. Anyway, anyway, uh, moving moving swiftly back to... Highfield, uh, Denise wants to ask a question. Yes, Denise, unmute yourself, Dusty, you go for it. Hi, Denise. Hey, everyone. Hi, Andy. Good Hiya. to have you with us. Um, first of all, Melly Pat used to be Welsh. I know she isn't now, but she did used to be Welsh about 40 years ago. So, <laughs> you know, OK. Um, and I was, I was just wondering what your take on Gavin's arrival. Um, I think you must have known the story arc that you were in, you know, sort of setting off on at that point. And Gavin turns up and uh, as a listener, I couldn't work out whether there was this um, absolutely entitled little scrote who was just trying it on with his dad, or whether he had something with hindsight, whether he had something on dad, and this was his way of getting his I think it's the latter. I think um, it's the latter. Right. <laughs> what Gareth and I never really worked out was why Kelly dumped him, why his girlfriend dumped him. We all had our, our, our different ideas of why that might have happened, but it was never made explicit to us. Um, and I thought that, that that would have been quite an important reflection on our relationship and on uh, and, and why things had gone wrong for him. Because there was um, the laptop in the wardrobe incident yeah and again that because that never really resolved did it no so obviously that was just like a little a little red herring yeah i think Mm. he was he was left there as a a little bit of a breadcrumb trail to say that he's hiding something because at that point most of us yeah i think that it was like a a little tool to to, to indicate that so you're right because if, if it had out. been more important than that, then they would have pursued it and we'd have found out exactly what was on there. Mm. But I think you're right. I think yeah, it was to paint a wider picture of, of dodginess, yeah. of which I, uh, dumb numbers will know, I spotted well before most. Patting myself on the back. It, Roy. You no, no, I really, <laughs> I didn't, not at all. Uh, right, we're going back onto gallery view. Let's have uh, two more questions because we're coming up to the hour. Uh, Adam. Uh, you are up, sir. I've asked you to unmute, unmute yourself, sir, and ask your question um, away. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Adam. That's a mighty fine beard you've got there. This is a lockdown beard. Generally, oh, it's hard. Stows this. <laughs> I'm, I'm growing this for Christmas because I'm hoping I might get a job as a Santa if the stores reopen. <laughs> if they reopen. Yeah. I can go there without one. <clears throat> so the big question, I know that um, a lot of people want to know the answer to this and i'm a big big 
advocate of this character. What's it like living next door to Joy? A joy. Joy, yeah, the yeah, joy. You know, if you if if you like a butterfly cake, that's where you need to be living. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you want a butterfly cake and a rock one on your doorstep every morning, that's where you want to be. She's lovely, Joy. When she came in, she was like a breath of fresh air, Jackie. She's such, she's such a lovely lady. And um, I just found her funny. I just find Joy really funny. She's like genuinely, without trying to be. Mm. What's you know, and all, all her What's hers? poor family t- tragedies and, and her, oh. But at least I fixed an electrics for her, for free. <laughs> Myself. I didn't send one of my boys to do it. Uh, uh, do you have, do you have a, a supplemental there, Adam? Because if, if not, we're going to uh, get somebody else to uh, yeah, ask the last question. Oh, right. Right. We're on to gallery view. Rowan. There you go. Uh, unmute yourself. There you Hi. Go. Hello, Andy. Hi, Rowan. I, I was really touched when you spoke about um, recording the um, the conversation between you and Kirsty, uh, and you were on screens doing it, not we together. Weren't even on, we weren't even on screens, you know. We couldn't wow. see each other. Just audio. Just and audio. It, it made me think that, um, it made me wonder if perhaps you had um you felt any guilt um not as your character but as you the kind of because it i know it spills over when you play a baddie it can do and spills over and you feel guilt for hurting that person definitely because um annabelle as you all know because you've all spoken to her and and she's been on it since what nearly 20 years now and she is fantastic annabelle she is she uh, i couldn't have wished for anyone better to to have my storyline you know so locked together in um so it kind of made playing those scenes doable even though we couldn't see each other and we only had audio because we just we we just worked together very comfortably and um, and even though we couldn't see each other, and we, we'd spoken about the scenes the day before, we'd, we'd phone, phoned each other up and, and sort of talked through. Because normally, when, when when you go for the read through, you're all sat in the same room with the director, and you can you can bring things up that you don't that are slightly confusing for you, or you don't agree with, or you can suggest cuts, or, or you can suggest additions to the script that might make things clearer. Of course, you can't do that in lockdown because it's because you've only got audio you kind of think oh i'll just shut up because if everyone starts talking and starts pitching in you can't have that naturalistic conversation that you would have in a room full of people and um but i think we we knew each other and trusted each other as actors enough to be able to play those scenes does that make sense yes thank you that's really interesting to hear and thank you for your question, Rowan. Now, uh, before I forget, two things. Uh, we are going to do the quiz. Somebody said, I was Sarah Spilsbury in the chat said, don't forget the quiz, Roy, but I'm not going to forget the quiz. Now, um, if you're doing nothing at approximately six o'clock tomorrow, um, I'm going to be on Zoom. I'm actually being um, 
interviewed and chatted with about uh, history, uh, Jamaica, reggae, and the love and my love of the archers. In the world of podcasting, dumb, um, my uh, love of the archers is, is legendary, not just within. Uh, the world of the archers and fans of the archers. So I've put a little uh, text note in the chat with the link. It'd be really nice to see some dumpty dummers um, send it, doing it again uh, tomorrow at six o'clock. Um, I'm literally going to have a glass of wine with me. I'm being interviewed for for a change. I'm just going to talk about the reason why I go about doing podcasting. So that's that. Then the second thing is we need these quiz answers. So starting at the top. Mr. Andy Hockley, uh, who introduced Philip Moss to Ambridge? And Andy, the answer is? Shula. Of course it was Shula. To fix uh, the roof on the ant kennels. Aha. Uh -huh. um, every, everybody's not seeing this. Wait a minute. I just realised I have not have got the screen sharing on. So there we go. There we go. Now you can actually see, see the answers. Got it. All right. So. Uh, first answer was Shula. Uh, second question. What brought Philip and Kirsty together? And the answer is, Mr. Hockley? Bird watching. Absolutely was. You know, if one thing I never understood, you were a member of the hunt. And there is no way that Kirsty would have been pro-hunt. That that was the scriptwriters made a big mistake there. That would have been a red flag to her. She would have gone, no. Well, so it was. It was never. It was never pursued. There were. I never recorded a single scene where I was taking part in the hunt. I had a couple of scenes where I was on horseback with Shula, but we were just trit trotting down the lane towards the stables. We weren't actually out on a on a hunt. So my, and then suddenly, I what, the hunt wasn't brought up anymore. It like it disappeared from my from my life. Yeah. Yeah. I guess because I got together with with Kirsty, and maybe there was a secret conversation between the two of us that we none of the listeners were a part of, where he said, "Right, that's it, no more." Now I yeah, found no you. More. Yeah, because he did. That's the other thing about Philip is he did, and does genuinely love adore Kirsty. Yeah, yeah. That that was uh, very. That's very his lovely. tragedy. Yeah. Question number three: What? is the name of the first Mrs. Moss. And the answer is? Rhiannon. Rhiannon, it absolutely is. Uh, and we never, ever met each other. Me and the actress that played Rhiannon never, ever crossed paths. For a second, I was going to say, how is that possible if you were married? And I thought, oh, yeah, you mean you've been the actor. Sorry, I was like, you, you yeah, had what, me for, what, for a second. Real life thing. Yeah, for a, for a second, I was <laughs> like, what? Uh, right. Um, how much did Victoria pay for Blake? Can you remember? 20 quid. It was 20 quid. 20 quid for damaged goods. Yeah. That was the thing where I called, I have to say, bullshit. I went, what? No. Economically, that just makes no sense to me. Uh, but anyway, uh, we did a show where that was included, where we spoke to a Guardian journalist. Because that's the thing which she went, what? Wait on a minute. And she wrote, yeah. uh, Amelia Gentleman wrote an article about that. And I interviewed her and had her on the show. We just couldn't get our head around economically how that no, anyway, whatever. True. But it was twenty quid. So mm. and I trust that the script writers do their research about this. So um, Yeah, well that would but, have come from the the, the organization that yeah. were acting as the consultants for the yeah. whole thing. And yeah. one of them was on scene who we uh raised just under seven thousand pounds for. So 
Yeah. <clears throat> what addiction did Philip say Gavin had? The answer is gambling. It was, hence. Which provided uh, them, of course, with the magic word horses, yes. That they got away with for so long. Yeah. And uh, it also meant that Alistair was brought into the storyline because he had a, a gambling addiction or has a gambling addiction. Yeah. Uh, question number six. When Gavin found Alice unconscious at the side of the road, what did Philip do, Andy? He, he, he told him to leave her. He did. Ooh, what a rotter. Absolutely. Question number seven. What prison term can Philip expect? Hmm. Now, what do you reckon? No, I'm not sure about this, but my gut instinct is to say C. You know what, Mr. Hockley? Your guts are good. That I've good. been told right. that is the correct answer, isn't it, Rosie? Right. Yep, you've got good guts. Yeah, good. that's Hockley. correct. Talking about my guts, mm -hmm. I am five and a half stone lighter than I was when I first played Philip Moss. Oh, good for you. I've lost I five. If you, if you find any early photographs, like th th this one you've got, my profile off the web page that you've got up here, mm -hmm. if you find my old one, yeah. that was me at 19 and a half stone. This is me at 14 and a half. Um, I, I feel another question here from Dusty. I know Dusty's, uh, this is your purview. Um, <laughs> what did? How did you lose the weight, Andy? No rocket science. I just, I walked a lot do a lot of walking so i was getting i was getting f uh, much more active and i just try and keep under a certain amount of cal calories a day i don't go on any far diets or anything like that i just count my calories make sure i stay under a set amount mm -hmm. and an exercise yeah and i've lost five stone uh dusty you, you, you have to you have to big yourself up because this is just kind of what to, you do i mean i have my my former professional life was with uh, weight loss Oh, okay. Management, yeah. having lost the best part of 10 stone myself. And well, good for you. have lost that amount of weight, particularly during lockdown, where everyone is struggling. I just say, absolutely. Of course, but I've had, my, I, I've had time to get out. I've had all days free where I can go out and just walk and walk and walk. Yeah, a lot of people have got all day to eat sandwiches and cakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done. That's absolutely fabulous. Work. Thank you. Well done, mate. Uh, and then the last question. Will Kirsty divorce Philip? Uh, what's your answer, Mr. H? Yes. Yes. I, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. Now, yeah. I'm going to uh, come off share. I'm going to go onto gallery view. I've got a sneaky feeling that a lot of you. Hello, Sue Lee. Looks like you're, you're knitting. Uh, um, right. Hold your hand up if you got all of those correct. Right. There's quite a few of you. Oh, right. Well so done. I'm going to go to who, who, who don't I know? Keep, keep holding your hands up. Right. Gen UK. I, I don't really, I don't think we, we know each other, Gen UK. Hello, Missy Purple Pumpkin. I'll tell you who our winner has been. It's Gen UK. Because you look new to this parish in terms of Zoom anyway. You're clapping. Go on. Uh, uh, un unmute yourself. Bask in your glory. You are our winner. Oh, thank you. That's great. I haven't. It's my first Zoom. And I did see it um, 
don't you dumb lie. Congratulations, so. you you. Oh, thank you. Archer's brain box, you. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. So where are where are you, Jen? Other than just um, in the UK. Mansfield. Yeah, well, I do a lot of U- US calls. Um, but Mansfield, Nottinghamshire. Oh, so, not far in the Midlands. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not a million miles away from our Quentin is in the East Midlands. There somewhere. Yeah. And it's all it's all the same to me. All the same to me. The East um, Midlands. Um, yeah, Jen, 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 I'm in Southall, Southwell. Oh, excellent. Neighbouring, yeah. Yeah. Just down the road. I, I had my vaccination, my jab in Mansfield. Oh. There you go. You can go and stand in each other's gardens from Monday. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, well done, Jen. And uh, oh, continue, continue to to listen to, to, to Dum Dee Dum. Uh, right, everybody, I think uh, we are just about um, at the end of things. Uh, you've had uh, a whole load of Andy Hockley. You've had slightly less Quentin than you've had Andy. You've had a little bit of Rosie. You had a touch of Philippa. You had some dusty substances. You had some Gen UK. You had crumbs. Who else you had? You had, uh, um, had Stephen right. B. Who else? You've had Bernadette Hawks. And you had a little bit of me. Uh, it'd be really nice to see some of you tomorrow at 6pm UK time because I've got a sneaky feeling the conversation is going to be um, a little bit boring without friendly, friendly faces, whatever. So um, if you're not doing anything, um, I've given you the Zoom link twice. Uh, if you, if for whatever reason, you couldn't see this text chat, email me, royfield at gmail.com and I'll give you the link. It'd be really nice to see some dumb dumbers tomorrow whilst I um, just... I'm in conversation. Andy Hockley, uh, thank you for, for coming on. And An absolute uh, pleasure. Listen, mate, uh, really, we've, we've been really looking forward to this. And Quentin did say, Royfield, this is going to be a, a bit of a, a, a full show in terms of uh, Dumby Dummers. And it absolutely has been, you know. You the high had just under 80 people here wow, wanting, to throw, wanting to throw their rotten fruit and vegetables at their that, laptops. That's the biggest house I've played to this year. <laughs> <laughs> well listen we're gonna have you on again soon we'll have to, we'll i get hope you, so we'll get you on a regular podcast as well you can chime in now, now that you're out of the village so to speak uh yeah. you know maybe you can comment about what what your uh soon to be ex-wife is up to etc that that'd be good fun well let's see what happens we'll come, we'll come and do a prison visit won't we Listen, I've got a whole selection of backgrounds I can choose from. I can be wherever you want me to be. Brilliant. Andy Hockley, cool. thank you Cheers. for... Cheers, man. Thank you, Dumpty Dummers. Carry on listening, and thank Will you do. for listening. Thank you, thank, thank you, thank you sir. If it wasn't for you, it wouldn't be worth doing. Ah, oh, bless you. Thank you for portraying Philip Moss so excellently. Yes, Thank you very much indeed. Okay, everybody, take care. Look after yourselves. If you've got nothing to do tomorrow, jump on a Zoom. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.